I'm Ray Rogers. And I'm Brad Kepler. You're listening to Fix This, a podcast exploring tech ideas and solutions to some of today's largest challenges. We're continuing our discussion from last week, and we're talking about a heavy subject, human trafficking. If you haven't heard the first part of the conversation, you can look back in the archives to hear our discussion with Thorne and BSR. Here's a quick recap so we're all on the same page. Human trafficking is the illegal exploitation of a person that involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Human trafficking affects over 40 million, yes, million victims globally. To put this number in perspective, 40 million people is just over the population of Canada, which is about 37.6 million people as of 2019. And the problem extends to, well, almost everywhere. And there are organizations whose sole purpose is to fight the spread of human trafficking. These folks work day in and day out to raise awareness of the problem and to relentlessly search for solutions. These organizations are crucial in the quest to end human trafficking. But other organizations have a role to play, too. It's not just the charities and nonprofits who can move the needle. Yeah, think manufacturers, supply chains, tech companies, local law enforcement, policymakers, and more. Modern slavery is a $150 billion industry. Our first guest has a harrowing experience of being trafficked as a child. She has since devoted her life to raise awareness about human trafficking. She's met with governments around the world and served as a former United Nations Special Advisor. And she founded the Freedom Seal, which aims to provide companies and organizations with the technology and expertise they need to free their supply chains from human slavery. As the CEO of her new organization, she's committed to driving transparency, corporate responsibility, compliance, and innovation within businesses to stop human trafficking. Ronnie Hong chatted with Ray about how companies can remain aligned with their business goals and eliminate human trafficking from their supply chains. I was born in a small village in the southern part of India, at Kerala, and I was stolen from my family when I was seven years old and then sold into slavery across the state borders. At that time, I had no idea of the language. I was terrified and nobody was there to really take care of me. I tell you the story because my case is not unique. There are millions of others out there like me, imprisoned, enslaved, and silenced, who are unable to tell their stories. Modern-day slavery is a $150 billion industry. So according to International Labor Organization, today there's estimated 40 million living in modern-day slavery, and I'm just one of those numbers. Human trafficking has an economic cost to this financial crime, the, the issue, um, and it's estimated that 25 million men, women, and children are victims of forced labor by individuals uh, in private companies. So that is why I'm bringing forth the Freedom Seal as one of the solutions. So today, I speak for those without a voice because I believe this issue needs to be addressed at a very high global level, and I'm excited to be able to bring in uh, technology elements to solving this huge problem. I know that you've met with governments around the world in an effort to draw awareness and action to stop human trafficking. What have you learned from these experiences? I have traveled uh, around the world in 30 countries, and I've been working on this issue now for 20 years. And as in 2011, I was appointed as a UN special advisor on the global initiative to fight human trafficking. And so for the past seven years, as I've worked with governments, I realize, yes, they are part of the solution but they are not the only ones. And that's what led me to today. I believe companies and technology are key players when it comes to ending this issue. What is Freedom Seal? And 
how is that sort of bridging the divide between companies and technology to really fight human trafficking? Are you collecting a lot of data and using that and analyzing it to influence policy? You've also mentioned that it's not just governments who have some responsibility in eradicating human trafficking. So what role exactly is technology playing? With the Freedom Seal platform that we are currently building, our goal is to be able to leverage the technology platforms to connect to these thriving global markets. And with the technology, we'll be able to drive performance in companies are choosing who are they going to trade with or who are they going to uh, have the, to be their supplier or the manufacturer. So the goal of the technology is, is to be able to, as we build this, that we can get insights into the source of the problem, um, you know, analytics and the data. It will really help us to have more insights on the right way and which direction we should go when we're fighting human trafficking. So yes, this enterprise uh, risk and you know risk assessments, we will be able to give risk alerts. Can you walk me through what some of the current day problems are with organizations? Is it that they are using unvetted suppliers and manufacturers that may themselves be using trafficked labor? Based on my 20 years of experience of being on in the field, working with survivors and working with others, I learned a lot. And so that's why I realized there was a lot of information that was not being utilized, especially by corporates, uh, when they are making decisions on who they source their products from. The companies and entities are struggling to find reliable data and information. On top of that, they are struggling to share the information. With my 20 years of experience in global uh, footprint uh, presence and partnerships, our global networks, I believe that we can aggregate and filter the data to help identify trafficking risks. Our goal is to build something uh, with all the technologies available today. And so I think using a lot of uh, data analytics, reading it and reading it correctly will help us to make right decisions. Ronnie's life work and Freedom Seal show the importance of raising awareness of human trafficking and how we can all have a role to play. From the things we buy to the issues on the ballot come voting time, human trafficking is a problem that can be approached from all angles. The first step is really becoming aware of the issue. Our next guest, Andrew Wallace, CEO of the UK charity Unseen, was completely unaware of how close to home human trafficking really was. A colleague of mine actually stopped a woman being trafficked in Ukraine and enabled her to sort of leave that situation by having to pay the trafficker off and then discovering that policing were involved uh, in the whole process. She was responding to an ad that was telling her there was a job in Central Park in New York where she could earn $80,000 selling ice cream. And this was an ad that was in, you know, in the national papers at the time. Now, this is about 12 years ago in the Ukraine. So here's the classic offer of a job someone wanting to get out of an economic situation, but the whole thing is a trap and a setup. I grew up going to school in the United Kingdom, believing that slavery had ended with William Wilberforce and the transatlantic slave trade over 200 years ago. And yet here we were 200 plus years later, uh, encountering similar things where people were being bought and sold and exploited. And so it, it was you know, one of those sort of uh, running into a brick wall moments. Andrew is the CEO of Unseen. The organization runs multiple safe houses for men, women, and children who have escaped the world of human trafficking. Unseen provides resettlement, integration, and outreach programs for victims who are transitioning back into local communities. Unseen's Helpline and Resource Center provides outlets for victims, survivors, and concerned citizens to reach out. 
and to drive transparency and share their progress, Unseen publishes an impact report. Data is at the center of all of their work, which may very well be one of the critical keys to educating the world about human trafficking and ultimately putting an end to modern-day slavery. Yeah, Unseen is an anti-trafficking and slavery charity that does five main things. So we work with victims identified uh, in the UK uh, through accommodation services, outreach services, and reintegration services. We work with all the major frontline agencies, whether that's police, paramedics, fire service, border force, um, training, equipping, joint working with them in order to have a victim-centric approach uh, to their dealings with the, with the issue. We work with businesses, helping them address their issues around transparency and supply chains and where they may be exposed to forced labor exploitation within their supply chains. Um, we also run the UK's Modern Slavery Helpline, which is a 24-7 hotline uh, open to everybody to access, whether you know, they're public, uh, frontline workers or victims as well. And then we work with governments, both in the UK but around the world, helping them develop best legislation, policy and practice. And our mission ultimately is to put ourselves out of business. You actually started a safe house. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? is specifically catered towards those that have high needs. And what we mean by that is um, high either physical or emotional needs and support because of the trauma and the exploitation that they've gone through. Most of the clients that we see are coming immediately from either police operations or from leaving their point of exploitation. What happens at the safe house? How does data fit into this picture? And how is collecting data going to help the people that are trying to exit the world of human trafficking? Great question. And it, and it happens on, on two levels. So, um, so we've developed a, a case management system, which enables staff to better do their job and, and make sure that all the different tasks are done on time and are locked correctly. And then obviously, as you're passing information between colleagues, nothing's getting lost in that whole process. So just all the benefits that we know from taking a paper-based system and digitizing it. But then also being able to interrogate that as well and to see patterns are there trends around what levels of uh, support that people need? Are there trends around, are we seeing different types of needs arise over a period of time? Then allied to that, uh, we also realized that victims are the biggest sort of data repository of, of what is going on when we're talking about trafficking and, and modern slavery, because they experience it. As they told their story over a period of time, it gave us that granular level uh, of information of what trafficking looks like as it, as it currently presents itself. And so we began a way of gathering that information through informed consent, their biographical journey, and putting it into a structured format. And as you began to amalgamate that information, aggregate that information, and anonymize that information, we started to see patterns developing. So things like a consistency of low educational attainment needs, which means you can then sort of argue with government and uh, other agencies for that to be a critical thing um, around the world in terms of development because actually it reduces vulnerability. We saw things such as um, the majority of our clients had fled the situation or had been kicked out by their exploiters. They were no longer useful to them. And so we were able to then talk with policing around actually is their methodology of uh, raiding brothels actually the most successful way of both identifying victims and getting victims out of that situation. So it's a different conversation that you would have with policing around their tactics and around um, how we identify victims. And then we saw within a, a particular nationality, say a Nigerian population group, somewhere between a three to five year window between them leaving their exploitation 
um, and accessing services, which then led us to uh, uh, asking better questions such as what happens in that interim period? How did they support themselves? Where are they? What, what are the circumstances in which uh, they are living their lives and how could we reduce that window so that they're not uh, in this state of not receiving the appropriate services without this huge time lag? Got it. And so with all of this data and once you start seeing the trends and you're able to track them, do you then compile reports or what happens? How are you using this data that you collect to cause change? Well, we're also another major data holder in that we run the UK's Modern Slavery Helpline. It's a 24-7 helpline that anyone can call into, you know, whether they're a victim wanting to access services to leave their, their exploitation or to a member of the public that has seen something that they're concerned about, or it's a frontline agency officer um, that isn't quite sure. That, you know, they may have had training on something years back, but they, they want some hand-holding in that whole process. Or it's a business that's going, I think I might have some potential labor exploitation or exploitation within my supply chains. What do I need to do? And so being able to look at both, if you like, at the big level, sort of the, the typology of trafficking within the United Kingdom, its prevalence um, and how it manifests in different locations, all the way down to a victim that says, this is my journey into, during and, and through exploitation. It enables us to uh, speak with more authority about what is actually going on whether that's to government or law enforcement or businesses and saying, look, this is what the evidence says. This is what we're seeing. Um, and our hope is that as we build those data sets and as we're able to add them to other data sets, that we'll understand in, in much greater detail what's really going on. And that then enables us to work with others to look at policy and practices and also even legislation in terms of how do we com not only combat this, but then how do we put in place the mechanics so that we're preventing it. How does the cloud fit into this? Yeah, it plays, I think, two key roles. And, and the first one is, is the role around security, because as you can imagine, the data that we deal with is highly sensitive. And so that ability to store that data in a sensitive way uh, and, and in a secure way is absolutely critical. But then also as we begin, to, as, as more and more people start gathering that information, you know, what, what is going to be the mechanisms by which we can combine that data to look for the bigger patterns, to look for the trends, um, so that we understand what's going on. Um, and, and also so that we can do it at scale, so that the, what we're saying um, has more, more robust validity. Sharing and collaborating and building together as a community is really, I think, one of the key takeaways that I've learned from all of the different conversations that I've had is that this is something that is truly impacting nearly everywhere in the world, and it's not something that one person can solve. No, absolutely not. Um, and it's, I think it's also the other thing I would add to your list is being able to do it um, securely and safely. Um, you know, there's a lot of sort of caveats that we need to think through in terms of, of how we look after that data, but also, um, you know, what we can and can't share, because at the forefront, we always have to put the victim first and make sure that they're safe and they're secure. What gives you hope? I think hope is is always in the context. If I look back to what the situation was like 10 years ago, we've made huge leaps and bounds. So, you know, in the UK, 10 years ago, this was a backwater issue. It wasn't of political concern. We now have primary legislation. We have government focus on it. We have focus on it at a UN level and around the globe. It's part of the SDGs. So all of those are huge step forward. But we also have to balance that with sort of asking ourselves, are we actually winning? Because every time that we look at the numbers, the numbers are going up. 
And we can't really answer, and this is back to the data question, uh, because we don't have a baseline. Are we making progress or are we just discovering uh, that this what was once a hidden secret um, that's now hidden in plain sight is actually much bigger than we thought it was? Um, and so part of what we want to be able to do is, is work with data and work with others to say, okay, here's the baseline and then we can assess whether what we're doing is having real effect and we are actually working towards a world without slavery. To learn more about today's guests, visit thefreedomseal.com and unseenuk.org. As always, thank you to our guests, Ronnie Hong and Andrew Wallace. And to our audience, a big thank you. If you liked today's episode, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be here on the next one.